0: People say that, that uh, Malcolm X uh, hated white people and all this stuff, but as I said, I've listened to numerous uh, Malcolm X speeches, and I've never heard him say he hated anybody.
1: Until the day they died, Malcolm X was a revolutionary separatist, and Martin Luther
0: King was an integrationist and a reformer. He, Malcolm X said this, and I can prove it. See, He said he wanted to, uh, I'm not saying this, Malcolm X said this. He said that if there was no March in Washington, he would participate. He also said that um, he 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 wanted to use try to use political system and try to combine all the civil rights movements together in a common effort because they strength in numbers. Now go ahead, and I can prove all that. I'm not. You Google it. You look uh, I get it up. It, I get it. Oh, okay. You giving your? Perspective. I'm not giving my perspective, uh Sekou, That's where you're wrong. That's what Malcolm X said, not what Tyrone said. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Well, Malcolm X, he gave us black nationalism, and that's still the call of the day. Integration is a dead issue. It ain't working because white people didn't want it. And we definitely ain't going back to segregation So the only intelligent solution is separation
0: That's the philosophy he, of nationism He was a
1: separatist on. the day he died
0: That's the philosophy he, of nationism He was a
1: separatist on. the day he
2: died you're you wrong Because you don't know what you're talking about Let's hear what Malcolm had to say
3: Hit me! I would say that Uncle Martin is my friend Black Muslims uh, have sometimes, whether you have or not, and I think probably you have, have sometimes, it seemed to me, been preaching hate to meet hate. Uh, I don't advocate any kind of hate. But there's I think, a lot of talk that sounds very much like it. No, I think that the guilt complex of the American white man is so profound until when you begin to analyze the real condition of the black man in America, instead of the American white man eliminating the causes that create that condition, he tries to cover it up by accusing his accusers of teaching hate, but actually they're just exposing him for being responsible for what exists. Well, that's uh, that's uh, something of an argument, but I've heard speeches made by some of the people of your group. I think I've heard you make speeches. It seemed to me that you were advocating uh, what I would have to describe, I think, as violence to meet the serious injuries that have been done your people, with which I totally agree. I don't call that violence. Uh, I don't in any way encourage black people to go out and initiate acts of aggression indiscriminately against whites, but I do believe that the black man in the United States and any human being anywhere is well within his right to do whatever is necessary by any means necessary to protect his life and property, especially in a in a country where the federal government itself has proven that it is either uh, in, unable or unwilling to protect the lives and property of those human beings. I'm wondering if you still believe, and I think you certainly did in the time you were allied to the black Muslim movement, in a segregated black nation no, in North America. I don't believe in any form of segregation or any form of racism. Uh, I'm against any form of segregation and against racism. Is it, uh, am I right in saying that the black Muslim movement, which you have left, did believe in that? Well, Elijah Muhammad taught his followers that the only solution was a separate state yeah. for black people. And as long as I thought he genuinely believed that himself, uh, I believed in him and believed in his solution. But when I began to doubt that he himself believed that that was feasible... And I saw no kind of action designed to bring it into existence or bring it about, then uh, I turned in a different direction.
4: The leader of the new school, uncool, never played the fool, just made the rule. Remember, there's a need to get alarmed. Again, I said I was a time bomb. Yeah. In the daytime, radio scared of me. Cause I'm mad, cause I'm the enemy. They can't come on and play me in prime time. Cause I know the time, cause I'm getting mine. I get on the mix late in the night. They know I'm living right, so here goes the mic sight. Before I let it go, don't rush my show. You try to reach and grab and get elbow. Don't believe the hype! Don't, 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 <laughs> don't,
1: don't
5: believe the Don't believe the hype! You can hang on my hold the rope,
4: but they hope to the Pope and play it ain't dope. The follower of Farrakhan, he'll tell me that you understand until you hear the man. I yes. want the truth.
5: You can't handle the truth.
0: Hello, Baltimore. <laughs> my name is Tyrone, both owner of BPPW, heating and cooling. And welcome to our show called Tyrone Show. And I'm here with my millennial co-host, my African-American history and cultural gangsters, Leroy Myers, a graduate student and teaching assistant at the University of Oklahoma. His area of study is the dynamics of African-American and Native American history. Say hello, Leroy. Oh, good afternoon, Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore. Leroy is in Oklahoma, and he should be getting his master's degree in May. And then he'll be working on his Ph.D. Congratulations. Okay. And my other millennial co-host, uh, Jerry Leacock, a social media entrepreneur who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University, the Black Harvard. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is a social conscious vegan and producer of the Channel 10 podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists.
2: Good afternoon, Baltimore. It's great to be back.
0: Okay. <laughs> this is, um, okay, we've, uh, I think the, the anniversary of the uh, uh, the death of Freddie Gray, I, th- I believe, was uh, April the 12th. And um, uh, in light of that, uh, we we were going to look at some things, um, and uh, the theme of the, of the of the last show was uh, Don't Believe the Hype, and, and here, again, it's just like a part two, Don't Believe the Hype part two. So what we're going to try to do is reveal some truths and things that are hidden in plain sight, like we normally do on this show, things that are actually hidden in plain sight. But we either we can't look at them because they're too difficult for us to look at or too difficult to accept, but they're right there. All you got to do is take a, you know, nowadays is take a computer and Google it, okay? Um, and then, then we want to also discuss the danger of emotion uh, without proper analysis, okay? Emotion is good, but you got to use analysis when you're, when you're um, exuding emotion so you don't become overly emotional at the wrong time, <laughs> okay? And passion is good, too, all right? But you don't want passion without proper analysis either, without... You know, without analysis, devoid with of analysis, and um, okay, okay, we went into today's show. We're going to discuss something that people never d- discuss. You know, you, you probably have, haven't heard it on the radio, and most of us don't know about. Okay, this is something, and I, recently I've been hearing on the radio where people are, are becoming more conscious of the fact that uh, white people uh, sell drugs. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, use drugs um, more than uh, uh, black people. Okay, I've, I've heard that mentioned on the radio several times uh, last week, but um, and, and but they don't seem to have the depth of analysis to figure out. You know, there's always the question of because when they figure out why we're getting locked up more, they they're saying, um, well, maybe it's because we sell more drugs, and that is not true, people. That is not true. Um, and and, uh, and we have the um, we have not only do we have the analysis to back up what we're saying, we also have the research to back up what we're saying. We have some research from uh, some data from the Brookings Institute that indicate. That, uh, that we're going to share with you that actually indicate that whites actually sell more drugs than blacks. Okay? And it's not just based on population because we're only 12% of the population. Anyway, so you should know that. You should know that white people sell more drugs um, than blacks just based on the fact that we're 12% of the population. They're like 67%. Okay, we're a minority. They're a majority. They're, you don't see them because we live in segregated societies, by the way. We don't know that, but we we're still live in segregation. That's why we hardly, you know, when, when we move around whites, they move away. That's why we think that we're a lot of times we're not aware that we're even the, the uh minority. But we are. We are. That's why they call us minorities people. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um uh um question your intelligence beyond that. Okay, now, um this is something that, uh I wanted to read uh to you guys uh real quick and and, and you know, to, to back up what I'm trying trying to say here. Uh and this is something I never hear in the media. I know you guys have never heard in the media and you and nobody on, on the radio has told you this. But uh it says here, arguments for ending the federal war on drugs often focus on everything from the high financial costs to police militarization. And y'all saw that with Ferguson. Where they came out with the tanks and all that stuff. So we're losing a lot of our rights. The police are getting militarized, and they have a military attitude. You know, they're at war a lot of times. They show up with combat boots and, and look like they got battle fatigues on, etc. Et <laughs> Something on full display on the recent events in Ferguson. That's what I just said. Missouri. But another damaging aspect is significant racial disparities in how these laws are applied and who gets punished. As a recent study conducted by the Brookings Institute demonstrates, whites are actually more likely than blacks to sell drugs and about as likely to consume them. Whites were about 45 more likely than blacks to sell drugs. 45%. 45% more likely than blacks to sell drugs. And let me explain this. The reason why whites sell more drugs, the main reason, is because... um, not just because of population, it's all, all. It also has to do with per capita. So, if you had 100 white people in a room at, of the same age group, that group of white people and 100 black people of the same age group, that group of white people would actually have experienced selling drugs. I think 6.6 percent for whites and something like five something percent for blacks of, of a, young, a group of young people. Yeah, five percent. Okay, <laughs> I'm just off the top of my head, <laughs> but um, but but. So it's more than just about population. It's just about virtue of population that would be true, but it's also about uh, per capita selling of drugs. White people actually sell more drugs than black people, okay? And whites were about 45% more likely to sell than blacks to sell. And I know everybody says, oh, that's that's nonsense. I see only black people selling drugs, and that's why you believe that, because white folks sell drugs indoors, and that's the difference. Black people sell drugs outdoors, where they are vulnerable to arrest. Etc. That's you know, and, and they're look they put law enforcement sees them as low hanging fruit, okay, and they can arrest them at will because they see them. And, and by the way, again, it's the twelfth. Um, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it's the anniversary. The twelfth was the anniversary of Freddie Gray's death, and guess what that was about? It was about the police chasing him to see if he had drugs. People, so you get you got to start seeing the correlation and 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 start uh, connecting the dots. And, and see how, then you begin to see how serious uh, this war of drugs is. That's why I harp on it so much, because it has so many connections, but we're oblivious. We com- com- compartmentalize a lot of it, and we, we fail to realize that a lot of the stuff is interconnected, including the violence in the streets. Okay. okay. Uh, it says, according to an analysis of the National Longitudinal Study of Youth by econ- economist Robert Farley, this was consistent with a 1989 survey of youth in Boston. My own analysis of data from the 2012 National Survey on Drug Use and Health shows that 6.6 percent of white, LLS young adults aged 12 to 25 sold drugs. Okay, this guy did an analysis and he, he, you know, to try to figure out if they were right, if the if the if the Brookings Institute was right. He did his own analysis and he came up in 2012, and he came up with. Um, He he, he, uh, sampled uh, whites age 12 to 25, and he came to the conclusion that 6.6% of white adolescents uh, sold drugs, compared to just 5.0% of blacks, a 32% difference. As for drug use, 10% of blacks report using illegal drugs within the last month, which is not statistically different than the rate for whites. Among college students, 25% of whites report illegal drug use. Within the last month, but twenty percent of black students, I find a higher percentage of whites than blacks report ever consuming illegal illicit jobs. Zach?
2: Um and you know it's it's um it's very you know, striking to see that statistic because that's not what's propagated throughout the media. And, um, you know, the stereotype is of, um, you know, a young black man age, um, you know, 15 to 30. um, You know, a lot of people would look at someone, you know, such as myself or Leroy and, you know, automatically assume that, We are, um, you know, selling or using drugs. And, you know, I've heard people say, you know, why do you harp on, um, you know, the segment of society so much that um, that is, you know, getting in trouble for selling drugs? But it affects us all in different ways. And the ripple effect is uh, tremendous. And um, the you know, it's even more tremendous when you actually look at the facts and you actually see that it's not us that's uh, doing it the most proportionally um, or, you know, in a greater uh, uh, scale uh, due to population. Yeah, so, uh,
0: uh, Leroy, you have anything to add? Uh,
6: Yeah, so, excuse me. um, So according to uh, a recent study uh, by the Sentencing Project, um, African Americans are still more likely than whites to report dissatisfaction with their level of safety. Um, so blacks also remained more concerned about crime and drugs than whites um, following the drug epidemic of the 1990s. And so in a 2001 survey, um, it, it was concluded that 24 percent of African-Americans pointed to crime, violence, and drugs as the most important problem in contrast to 13 percent of whites, while whites, on the other hand, were more likely to uh, talk about the breakdown of morals and family Um and I think nowadays, this is um, recently in the media. This is like kind of starting to uh, to become a thing that, uh, for years now, um, blacks have been complaining about dr- uh, drug ep- epidemics in, in, in their neighborhoods and stuff like that. Especially um, in places like Baltimore, for example, where the heroin epidemic is um, at an all time high.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's talk about uh, what a drug deal looks like. Uh by Michelle Alexander. Let's let's see if we can uh see what she has to say about what you know the drug dealer's. Drug stereotypes, dealer stereotypes.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, the uh, drug dealer stereotypes uh, about both blacks and whites. And we're, we're just getting <laughs> that put together now. Um is it ready? Okay, we're good. Okay.
7: Now most Americans violate drug laws in their lifetime. Most do. You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> But the enemy in this war has been racially defined. Not by accident, this drug war has been waged almost exclusively in poor communities of color. Even though studies have consistently shown now for decades that contrary to popular belief, people of color are no more likely to use or sell illegal drugs than whites. That's right, or sell. Now, that defies our basic racial stereotypes about who a drug dealer is. If you picture a drug dealer in your mind, who do you see?
0: Okay, and, then, and I, I know you all out there, you have the answer to that question. You know what you see. You know what you see because we've been taught that we don't, you know, we're, we're inferior and, and we've always accepted uh, second-class citizenship. We've been trained to do that. So we accept the fact that the police can come into our neighborhoods, bust our doors down, and arrest us at will, and, and violate our rights when we're when we're driving and pulled over <laughs> on the road without questioning, without doing any research to find out what's going on. And and um so, this is what I've always suspected this to be the case. It's just I you know I had to see it you know in writing, which I which I've had an opportunity to do in order for me to confirm what what I already know. Um, and the thing about it is, it's estimated that one third of black males will spend time in a state or federal prison at some point in their lifetime. That's how crucial it is that we understand and deal with this problem, because um, the 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 uh, race race of blacks has been driven by the war on drugs. And by the way, um, um, the, the we have there's two point three million people in prison now. In 1980, there were there were 300, about three hundred thousand people in prison. Okay, so yeah, three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand in prison before yeah 1980. Then you know today. 2016, there's a uh, 2.3 million people. The only thing that happened that's different between then and now is the war on drugs. Okay, <laughs> and the, the the stats actually back up what I'm saying. Okay, that's, this is what is consuming our young people: the war on drugs. And the thing about it is, it's not something that just black people do or selling drugs, as we indicated. Is when when whenever you have large populations of poor people, you, you think you're going to have them. Engaging in black markets, and that's true in Mexico. It's true in uh, uh, Colombia. I mean, how many black people they got living there? What's the excuse there? You know, there's a war on drugs there too. So those those there's there's a lot of deaths behind that in Mexico, and a lot of deaths in places like Colombia and and other places where there's a, an intense war on drugs. So what 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 I am saying is that as a solution, we need to come up with a be- better better um, tack, a better uh, way to uh, approach the situation because. It's consuming our youth. We're about to use a third uh, generation of uh, urban youth, and they're being uh, targeted now. I'm in no way, I'm in no way condoning the selling of drugs. I do, you know, I don't agree that anybody should be selling drugs. I think you should be punished for your crimes. However, there are countries that have come to things which are known as reduction of harm, which is you get treatment on demand. You know, you get treatment on demand as treatment as opposed. They have a treatment focus as opposed to. Uh, uh, an incarceration focus. Now, in, in places like Portugal, they were arresting people. They had a, a big war on drugs years ago. They were arresting people out of their mind, and they were people were coming up with pl- large cases of syphilis and AIDS, and they had big epidemics of those diseases. So they decided that what they were doing was stupid, so they stopped doing it because they didn't want to keep arresting their people. Okay, and, and uh, so what they came up with was a policy called reduction of harm. They, they actually legalized the, all drugs. All drugs in Portugal are illegal, and um, what they did was they they had clinics where you can actually go get heroin, and they'll wean you off of it. You know, people want help, and and then the United States want to understand from talking to people that you know that know about how the system works. If you go to get treatment in the United States, if you're lucky enough to get it, what happens is if you miss one, if you miss one section, they throw you out. <laughs> All right, okay, or if you you know you you can be just smart mouth with somebody, they can throw you out. So they use that as a punishment, the thro- the threat of throwing you out. And they'll top, in a lot of cases, they'll top your whole day. If you're poor, they'll tie your whole day up. You'll sit around in a group and all this kind of stuff and, and tell them your life history and all that. And uh, the focus is is basically on the program itself, not the actual goal, which is to get people off of drugs, And, and according to people that I've spoken to about this. And uh, so, you know, a lot of times they get discouraged or whatever. And if you get thrown out because you missed um, your appointment, I mean, what's the, what's the point? You know, what's the point? If you truly try to get these people off drugs, what is the point? and um, in order to uh, deal with a lot of the violence uh, associated with the, with the uh, war on drugs the only thing we can do people is to uh, take the profit motive out of it just like we had to do with alcohol um, in this paper I was looking at the Sun paper and then it they were talking about uh, um, uh, you know people were protesting because um, uh, State's Attorney Mosby she, she wouldn't reopen the Tyrone West case okay and um, probably because she don't have enough evidence, she's got to be careful too. You got to remember that you can't just open the case frivolously, you know, because you you may have evidence later that may actually make the case, but you can't just. She has certain rules she's got to follow, or, or she'll look silly and incompetent. So I got I got an ear on the side that she does, just simply doesn't have enough new evidence to, to open the case. But people nonetheless, people are protesting, and they have a right to do that. That she hasn't reopened the case. And by the way, Tyrone West, again, they were searching for drugs. Okay. And they said that um, he resisted arrest, but the witnesses that were there said that the police, you know, uh, they beat him with batons. It was like 10, twelve police beat him with batons. You know, they, they, um, you know, they they, 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 like twelve police just just beat him. You know, senseless. and they said this cause of death was his heart stop. But that's the cause of death for everybody. Okay, that's how they tell if you're dead. They check your pulse to see if you have a pulse. So when somebody says the cause of death is is a uh, you know, um, your heart stopping. I'm a little suspicious about that because that's the cause of death for everybody on the planet, <laughs> basically. Um, Zach?
2: Um, and, you know, th- the main thing to point out is that, you know, this happens in black communities and not white communities. Uh, and, you know, we harp on this again uh, when, you know, whites sell drugs at a higher rate. And um, it leads to situations, um, you know, where where we are being targeted and uh, killed, and um, also the ripple effects of it through the community uh, can be tremendous in a lot of ways that people don't even, uh, you know, think. You know, you don't necessarily connect uh, the war on drugs to certain things. So um, I have an article here from uh, BigThink dot
0: com. Let me interject real quick. By the way, if you want to participate in discussion, the number is 410-481-1010, 410-481-1010. We want to hear your thoughts as well on this. Right. Um, so I have an article here from BigThink.com,
2: um, and they're talking about uh, research published in the Review of e- uh, Economics and Statistics, um, you know, based on uh, marriage rates. And it says that incarceration rates uh, vary by economic class and also by race. In 2004, one in eight black males eight to, uh, age 29 Excuse me, age 25 to 29 was incarcerated compared to one in 28 Hispanic males and one in 59 white males. If women search for a future husband in their own community, um, then some women are more disadvantaged than others. And uh, they've attributed a 13 percent decline in marriage rates um, since 1990 on the war on drugs. And, um, you know, things like this, uh, as we spoke about before, it breaks down the family structure and creates a you know perpetuating cycle of poverty and, um, you know, more people selling drugs and drugs in our community. Um, and, you know, the cycle just goes on and on.
0: Okay. Now, now, as you indicated, um, I think 1987, and a lot of people don't realize this. 1987 was the first year that black out of wedlocks, in, in, in line with what you're saying, is the first year that black out of wedlock uh, uh, births exceeded in in married, married births. The first year was 1987. That was the height of the crack epidemic. So when you start, you see how when you start uh, connecting these dots. Um, this thing has even generational effects. When you, when you think about if your dad's in jail or something like that, that has effect that can have effect on you generationally that can cross, uh, generational, uh, barriers. Okay. Let's, let's, um, talk about, uh, Bernie Sanders and what he was saying about why, um, um, Clinton's, um, need to, Bill Clinton needs to apologize. Bill Clinton was uh, heckled by black lives matters. People. And he tried to defend the, uh, super-predator comment by his wife. And let's see what Bernie Sanders had said about that at the Apollo the other day.
5: I think that the president owes the American people an apology for trying to defend what is indefensible.
7: probably had more time to reflect on the deepness of it, and the audience, um, we had lots of African-Americans in the audience at the Apollo, were very upset about the comment, and not just about the comment, but how... The president, president Clinton defended the comment even after an apology went forward to the NAACP about that, even after the secretary said she regretted it, and for the president to continue to defend that kind of language when it's put towards African-Americans offensive to our community. So that was different. what Bill Clinton did could not have been worse. He just ripped off scabs that are very, very hard to talk about without getting emotional. Um, There was a lot of pain and suffering in the black community, it's true. There were black preachers and homeowners pleading, you do something about the crack epidemic. But what happened was such an overreaction, and super predator became a five-syllable term for those black guys doing crack. Now you compare that to what's going on now with heroin, this compassionate approach, meth, compassionate approach, Mm -hmm. uh, opioids, compassionate approach. But that was not what we got 20 years ago. And so it's very, very painful to have him rip that back off the way that he did. He needs to do more than a triangulated half an apology. He needs to make sure people understand he really gets it. Let me just add, I I think you're right that we need to have the discussion. The problem is in discussions, word choice matters. If you call somebody a super predator, what that means is you automatically are dehumanizing them. So you don't right. come up with good answers. And, and then your solution is sometimes than the problem. That's right. right now, um, African Americans and white kids use drugs at exactly the same level. Nobody knows that, exactly the same. But African American kids go to prison six times more. Because there's this idea that these guys are the drug dealers. These guys are experimenting with drugs. But these are the drug dealers. Right. And those kinds of disparities are made worse by the language. The conversation's good, but the language is bad.
0: Okay, now, wh- what he was saying was pretty much what we we're, were discussing is that when you use, um, uh, when you use dehumanize people, it's more easily to see them as, you know, I mean, as animals. You know, I mean, super predator. A predator is an, is an animal, you know, basically. And when you say things like super predator, that's why the, the, those terms, those terms are, are very, you know, word usage is uh, very uh, crucial when you use the right words when you when you describe people or when you describe acts. And when you say things like "super predator," you're thinking, um, you know, this person is an animal and you're dehumanizing. We take away somebody's humanity; it's more easier to to be brutal to them, you know, because what you're doing, you're beating a dog, right? So, you know, what's what's the problem? And again, these things um, when you got prohibition, like drug prohibition and things like that actually breeds black markets, which breeds uh, breeze crime. Now, a lot of these gangs are drug gangs. And um, they're, a, a lot of them are just simply uh, corporations to leverage the selling of drugs. You know, and a lot of the people at the top, they're, shoot, they're in their 40s and, and some are in their 50s. They live out in the suburbs. You know, a lot of, you know, the frontline soldiers are young people. You know, they, they they recruit a lot, of, a lot of the young and they end up getting these criminal records. And they can't find, and they found later... That it was important to keep a clean, clean, um, a clean record, and oftentimes they found out too late. So this this thing has very uh, far-reaching impact on um, on um uh, uh, our kids. Um, and again, uh, since nineteen from nineteen eighty to uh, uh, twenty twelve, uh, or twenty eleven rather, according to the Brookings Institute, um. There were six hundred. Although all property crimes by committed by blacks went down seventy by seventy thousand, and all violent crimes by blacks went down by two thousand since nineteen eighty. The um the rest for drugs have went up. Uh, possession of drug paraphernalia and other crimes uh, related drugs was six hundred twenty thousand arrests, six hundred twenty thousand seven hundred ninety one to be exact, and. Uh, for drug abuse violators, it was three hundred forty-six thousand two hundred sixty-eight. Okay, so again, okay, the number is four one zero four eight one ten ten. Four one zero four eight one ten ten. If you want to join us uh, in the discussion, so as you can see, this 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 whole uh, war on drugs has had a very devastating effect, and especially if if you think if, if the uh, if more whites are selling drugs, and let's just follow, the logic, follow my logic here: if more whites are selling drugs and more whites are using drugs than blacks, and and this is let's say that's true, let's say you arrest every Negro in the hood that's selling drugs. How is that going to solve America's drug problem? If that's the case, so uh, we may be um, destroying our youth uh, for all the wrong reasons.
2: Right, and it makes you. um, That is a good reason. Go ahead. (laughs) And it makes you uh, definitely wonder um, if the goal is actually to uh, solve America's drug problem at all um, because, um, you know, the research bears it out and um, examples from other countries that have decriminalized drugs. Uh, Drugs um, have had, you know, quite a lot of success and declining drug rates, declining crime rates, declining uh, violence rates and even uh, declining levels of uh, HIV. Um, You know, when you look at addicts as as um, as as people who are sick instead of criminals and when you uh, get rid of the black markets, which actually uh, escalate the the, uh, value of drugs because it's illegal.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, for example, um, according to the foundation for economic education, uh, Mexican drug laws, they de- they derive um an estimated 60 to 70% of their income from pot sales. So just, re- so just imagine if, uh, if the United States finally decides to, um, to decriminalize, you know, totally uh, marijuana uh, over all the impact that could have on the Mexican drug war, but then also, um, at the same time, uh, 70% of the drugs, um, I'm sorry, 70% of the guns that are uh, confiscated in Mexico, they all come from the United States. So, yeah. that kind of goes back to, you know, Zach's point of, you know, do they really want to stop the drug war or not?
0: Right, right. And and, and the thing about it is we, we also don't get the linkage between guns and drugs. Okay, it's like we compartmentalize everything. We don't get it. If you're selling drugs, in, in most cases, You know, you're going to have guns. You're going to have guns because people are going to challenge you for 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 the right to sell drugs in that corner eventually. You have other crews moving into your territory when somebody gets arrested or whatever, and they're going to be fighting for, you know, for the right to sell drugs because you're fighting for money, basically. Uh,
2: And then uh, I was going to say to connect the dots, um, you know, we have to look at the reasons why people um, are selling drugs in the first place. And that goes back to the uh, poverty issues that we speak about the, um, a lot of the political issues about um, investment in communities. Um, so everything definitely uh, connects. And um, you know, it's very important that, you know, we look at the decriminalization of, uh, of drugs. And we also look at the uh, impacts of various investments in our community and um, hold politicians to the fire.
0: Yeah. And um the thing about it is if you it's easy for for you know somebody like me to say uh well they shouldn't be selling drugs they need to be locked up you know not having to live in poverty you know saying so not having to live in abject poverty and no and no opportunity you know with nothing to lose I have already got a criminal record what do I got to lose by getting locked up It might be an improvement at least I know when I go to jail and this is what people don't realize if I go to jail I got I got gas electric I got heat I got uh three meals you know all my homies are there so it, it may not be such a big deal for me to go to jail if I've already been there and already have a record and right. can't get a job on the street
2: right. so And um, as, you know, as a young person, um, it does get frustrating, um, you know, especially when you look at the facts. It gets frustrating, you know, when you, uh, you know, step on an elevator um, or, you know, you're walking to your car and, you know, people have an adverse uh, reaction. Or if any time you don't get a job or, you know, any of these things, it's always in the back of your mind. Um, Is it because of, you know, various stereotypes that aren't even true about me, um, that aren't even true about me as an individual or, you know, my people
0: as a whole? Yeah, my, my, the thing about me is, it's not even that. I don't even care about that so much as the real, the real danger of being right. killed by a, a police officer. We got calls, but let's go to Bernie Sanders. Um, why Black Lives Matter? And that'll explain what I'm trying to say. Bernie Sanders, why Black? We'll we get to you, people. Just, just uh, hold on. Just hold tight. We want to hear your, your your views too. And we, let's
5: put that question to Senator Sanders. Black lives matter, and the reason, the reason those words matter, is the African-American community knows that on any given day, some innocent person like Sandra Bland can get into a car, and then three days later, she's going to end up dead in jail, or their kids are going to get shot. We need to combat institutional racism from top to bottom, and we need major, major reforms in a broken criminal justice system in which we have more people in jail than China. And I intend to tackle that issue to make sure that our people have education and jobs rather than jail cells.
0: Okay. (laughs) A point well taken. right. Um, Okay. Next caller.
2: Okay. We'll go up to uh, Baba. How's it going? Good afternoon. Baba.
0: Hello. Yeah, yes. how's it going, brother? Hello. Yes, sir. Yes. You're on. Well, How you let me say
4: something about drugs. The coca tree grows in the Caribbean and it grows in Africa too, where the coca, uh, where the people there can take the uh, coca sometimes for healing, because it, uh, you know, it helps with with, with pain, right. with childbirth, and a lot of stuff but they do not use the coca like they do uh, in this country right. and in the uh, Western world for distribution and, and getting high. Because if you get caught with drugs in Africa, the police catch you with drugs, you are you will be taken to the police station and in the backyard and shot.
0: <laughs> okay. And so that's, that's the case in a lot of, lot of places, uh, um, Bob. I, I find it quite easy to believe. Because that's the case in a lot of countries, you know they they uh, you can be uh, beheaded um, in um, Saudi Arabia for selling drugs, and, um, and you can be hanged in the Egypt for uh, selling drugs. As I, as I've said before, when I was at the airport, they had a big sign there that saying that uh, the selling of drugs in English at the airport saying the selling of drugs is punishable by by hanging. You know, have a nice day, have a nice visit to Egypt. Right. So yeah, go ahead, Zach. Um, and I was going to say, you know, I'm,
2: I'm a lot of these types of places that have these types of laws, um, you know, they don't necessarily have the same economic structure uh, that we do. So, you know, with Saudi Arabia, um, you know, a lot of people have the, the government jobs and the oil money um, and they don't have, you know, necessarily. Right. I mean, there's a lot of poor people, but, um, you know, we have a history of of uh, African-Americans uh, being sequestered in a certain area. In, right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know being ghettoized in poverty uh which lead to us selling drugs and then being targeted for it when we don't even uh sell the most drugs um so you know i mean you know one solution would be to start beheading and and all no, that you're right. <laughs> <not gonna> <laughs> um or you could just you know decriminalize it and um you know you know and improve the quality of life for everyone do um, Mark the then so, we'll, I'll hit on that Okay so uh Mark how's it going
4: Hey, how you guys doing?
2: All right, Mark.
0: All right. How's it going? Or
4: let me turn my radio down a little bit. I was listening to you guys as they
0: came in the house. Hey, Mark, um, have you ever heard anybody discuss this on the radio that whites actually uh, sell more dope than, than black people?
4: That whites what
0: sell more drugs than black people? Did you, have you ever heard this yeah, discussed lately? I,
4: I've I've heard people um, um say I'm, that you know in the media. Uh, no, nah, not in the media. That's what
0: I'm saying. No, that's what. No, that's what. in the media. Say. That's the point we're making. It's very easy to Google. It's not like it's even hard to Google. It's like you know, I've been to um, like I was at this um, this function where they had people who were supposed to be activists. They had grant money or whatever to do act, activist work mm-hmm. in Santown Winchester. And mm-hmm. when I asked the person who was leading the discussion what was the unemployment rate in Santown Winchester, she didn't even know. She didn't even know. It's very easy to Google this stuff. All you have to do is Google it. It'll come right up. Google. Um, what is the unemployment rate in Sandtown, Winchester? It comes right up to, uh, you know, it's uh, 58.1%, I mean, 50.8%, I believe, if I remember correct, by the Justice Policy Institute. And then, and for somebody to be in a position to help uh-huh. our people and supposed to be helping our people, not to know that, that's You're egregious. Correct. And they, and she didn't get the link to the drug problem or anything as far as the violence in the community or nothing. She seemed to didn't, you know, I was shocked that she was even leading a discussion in a, at a college. It was at a college at Cap State University. And I was sure the, the level of knowledge and awareness as far as, you know, the oppression of our people, lack of opportunity in those communities. And she's an activist in the community. Sad. Well, we
4: definitely, you know, um, uh, Tyron, we got a lot of people running. Did you know this? Um, when you get a chance, man, pick up, I don't know if you get it, but the sun, April, the, the Sunday sun, you got it?
0: Yeah, I got it. I they got it. They
4: got a lot of stuff. I don't know if you saw uh, where Dan Rodericks interviewed 50. Candidates for uh, city council. Uh, <laughs> and it was 52 scheduled. Look, one couldn't find, one to be a, a council person that couldn't find the, the sun paper office on, on uh, Calvary Street. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sad, isn't <laughs> But look, man, the good news, um, you know, I was looking in, when you get a chance looking at um on the Maryland, on the UB, UMBC, this is what I'd like to see, Tyrone, a lot more this UMBC. Um, aims to serve its community is partnering you know with with that community down there and um it was talking about the young lady uh, uh cassandra defend exercise class and blood pressure screenings and job you know information and stuff like that you know for time purposes um you know that's what it's talking about um that they partnered with the community you know and they opened a new center um, that has a lot of different services in there and I, I would like to see more of that I would like to see. More on the front end, you know, uh, uh, doing things for our community. And also, did you hear about uh, uh, what Bats did? I never thought Bats or any other commissioner that wasn't at least from Maryland or Baltimore um, had a clue what was going on. Right, did you hear right. about what he did?
0: No, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: In the same paper, Bats understated use of tasers. Former commissioner gave inaccurate numbers to a city council committee months after the. Uh, He asked the Justice Department to reform Baltimore. Uh, Bats went before a City Council Committee to detail how much force used during arrest. Bats told Public Safety Committee in January 2015 that police had logged fewer than 500 taser deployments from 2012 to 2014, according to his uh, report. But a six-month Baltimore Sun investigation, I'm gonna jump down, according to records obtained, Public Information Act. The department reported to the state that police use tasers seven hundred and thirty so, so, times.
0: So what you're lies. telling me is that police lie on reports?
4: No, this is bad, though. This, this
0: is this oh, he's, a that, I mean, he's a police officer. I mean, he's police. He might be the commissioner, but he's still an officer of the law. So you yeah, telling me, law enforcement that, lies?
4: You know, a lot of people. Yeah, they fired. <laughs> you know, bad. Uh, seven hundred thirty incidents.
0: Right, right. I you, you know, know and I know they and fought. also
4: lied about well, being part of the president's. Uh, Council on, uh, you know that, that the council that 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 he convened for the task force right, right. Uh, for police brutality, he lied about that also.
0: Well, I mean, um, like I said about when I mentioned um, Tyrone West, yes, they sir. said that he was resisting arrest, but the witnesses said he didn't resist not one time. They said that he was pulled out of the car by his his dreadlocks, dragged out of the car by, by his dreadlocks, and business beat. The, they beat you, the Tyrone? crap out of him. Huh? It was black officers involved in that too. Of course, like they don't. They're the worst kind sometimes. They, sometimes got, they're the you
4: worst. One percent of people, Tyrone, somebody much smarter than me said this. That ain't gonna do the right thing. Doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, police, politicians, uh, preachers, everybody. So we got to hold those people accountable.
0: So, and, uh, so what do you, you think? Know, then, so what do you think? Do what we can, man. So what do you think the war? The, the purpose of the war on drugs is if more white people are selling drugs and using drugs than black people. And then lock I mean, locked up every nigga they can find.
4: It's a joke, man. I grew up, you know, in, in in the 70s. It was a lot of drugs. My cousin back and forth, New York, the Baltimore, long story short. My parents broke up, and I was born up there. I seen my cousin and them, you know, get on drugs at, at teenagers. And right. my friends down here, you know, the alcohol got me as a teenager. I was caught up 15 years, been clean. It's over 26 Good. years. And um, the war on dr- drugs is a joke. It should have been a war on the uh, the effects
0: uh, right right I agree of the I agree.
4: addiction uh you know on our communities the right the, the violence the, the poverty the the, the, the the homelessness and all that and they should have treated
0: it like North a medical condition on. instead of starting to arrest us in mass yes sir and um, what happened that's what happened we like I said in 1980 we only had 300 thousand people in, in prison man now yes, there's sir. 2.3 million people we're the most um imprisoned nation in the world including places like China and Iran we got more people in prison than they do.
4: Yeah, we okay. got a lot of people stepping up, though, man. Did you see? Uh, they did step up. Did you see? Did you uh,
0: see on the uh, uh, we're going to have to um, go to the next call. <laughs> yeah, Tyrone. Probably next week, man. Yeah,
4: yeah brother. Y'all, yeah. y'all go ahead, man. I, I always enjoy talking to y'all. I'll call next week. All right, All right sir. All right, Thanks for calling. take
2: care. Have All a right. good
0: one.
4: All right.
2: Okay, next up we're going to go to Fred. How's it going, Fred?
0: Hey, gentlemen, how y'all doing? doing all, right, all right, Fred, what's all going right. on? Well, y'all bring it to the table, don't you? Yeah, we <laughs> got to bring it hard. We got to bring it hard. We got to no, know what's being done to our people, man. Yeah. Because man. we walk around sleep, we think everything's fair and square. And uh, if you, you know, you're getting people that are getting doing this stuff are getting locked up. Everybody's not getting locked up. Some people are being let go, and some people are getting their doors kicked in and they're being dragged out in the night. And some innocent people are going to jail too. Oh, ain't no question. That's always been on the table.
4: But, you know, I, I heard you guys mention Back a little earlier. I think that I maybe mean, we live in parallel worlds, but I thought Batts was a great police commissioner. I remember when he first come here, the first thing he said when Tyrone West was killed. You remember when that boy that killed in East Baltimore?
0: Yeah, yeah. Tyrone West, they said that he was a resisting arrest, and but the witnesses, there's two witnesses that said, one of them said that he was dragged, he didn't resist at all. They said he was dragged out of the car by his braids. Oh. And, um, you know, he was he was beaten by 12 police officers. Right. I so know what the statement said, but I remember back
4: that on TV and said, that they need to bring the Justice Department to Baltimore. Remember that?
0: Yeah, well, uh, nothing happened, though. Nothing uh-huh. happened. They doesn't they, happen. They just got on uh, Marilyn Mosby about not reopening the case. So oh, yeah, yeah, no question. But I'm saying, to I remember Bats. Remember Bats, when he first came here, he said they need to bring the Justice Department here. Right. I agree, I agree. I agree. You know I agree, but did it happen? it didn't happen okay, because well, the mayor talk.
4: and the city council and the state's attorney didn't press it okay he was the commissioner he just got in town he looked at the police department, city Police department which was very
0: uh, you know thuggish our police department
4: Oh, of course. and he said he hadn't seen
6: anything
2: like this since the 1950s
0: <laughs> they just need dogs right to bite us uh, uh, okay okay they just need dogs to bite us okay Fred we'll go to the next call we got the boards loaded <laughs> thank you so much alright nice call next week Fred appreciate it alright
2: okay next up we're going to go to Tracy how's it going Tracy
0: hey Tracy
1: Hello,
0: gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, hey. young lady? Pretty good.
1: I'm enjoying your show. Um, this war on drugs, my, my whole take was this new, and I put quotes around that new, heroin addiction. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got some clips on that one. Oh yeah, the uh, middle
1: class, right, America. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. They are going to be cured. They are going to cure themselves <laughs> of this heroin addiction within five years. Not just in Maryland, not just in Baltimore, but across the country. They are going to have treatment centers, and it's going to be okay to have right. those treatment centers treatment in every middle class white
0: neighborhood. Right, treatment on demand. And let's yeah. let's um. By the way, let's we we had a clip on that. Let's talk about um, uh, hometown USA on drugs. So, yes. Let's, let's talk about that. Thanks for calling. Call me next week. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye.
2: Okay, we're uh, bringing it. up the hometown USA clip on uh, drugs. Now getting that ready. Um, but you know, we'll she, go to the next
0: call while he's getting ready.
2: Okay, uh, we're going to go to Etha. How's it going, Etha?
1: Okay. Hello. 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 Yes. How are you gentlemen doing? Yes, fine, right.
0: fantastic. How's it going?
1: Good. 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 I'm enjoying your show here, sitting there taking.
0: Appreciate time. it.
1: And digesting everything you're saying. Mm. But I've I've come up with a a little thing that I've called and written. It's called The Democratic Negro (laughs) Coon (laughs) Tool. What that entails entails is simply says this, that the the party will do anything necessary to bring African or black people into supporting whatever efforts they had politically. And we are willing to go along.
0: Oh, of course. course. Without question.
1: Our people who are supposed to be presenting us Never do. They always go and support the people whenever we're trying to make a change to change our condition as a people. That's why we don't advance because we don't get support from our own people. Right.
0: They, when they get co opted, they sell out. They get co opted. As soon as they get and, around people that that are, you know, bottom downers and all this kind of stuff.
1: And uh, remember that. They forget where they came from. Democratic, Negro, tool, box.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to make it a Democrat, Republican thing. We got issues that need to be resolved so we, so we okay. don't ruin another generation of uh, urban African-American males.
1: Let me, let me lay that on you The other and
0: females, thing. for that matter.
1: We need to study our history and see what these political parties are really doing and what they have done.
0: Okay, well, thank you for calling, sir. Sure
1: thing.
2: All right.
0: Good comments. Thank you so much. Let's and, go to, um, the, to uh, the clip.
7: The cities were the place where all of the bad stuff was supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be nice towns like Greenfield, right? It, it, it isn't the image that people used to have 20 years ago that it's it's a, a junkie in a, in, a, in an alley somewhere using a needle it's not it's it's your kids it's your neighbors the worst
1: i think is when you have these young young people who break a leg and they go to the doctor and they get a prescription for oxy and become addicted to it these are any kid who plays a high school sport it's a, it's a horrible circumstance when that happens
5: it, it's only started in the past couple years yeah the heroin was around pills were around But we didn't have people dying. Once you've been busted for heroin...
0: It's a hard thing to co- to live down.
1: got to get rid of that shame factor so that people can deal
5: with it, address it, and get support from the community. I feel like we're going to lose a whole generation of, of of our young people. 18 to 22 is what we're seeing the most. The district attorney, the sheriff, myself, the police department are all united. This task force has grown to over 100 people in a matter of six months, and that's what we're committed to doing. And, and you know, we will do it till the day I die.
0: Hey, you hear what he said? We're going to do this till the day I die. That was a, um, a, a Lily White <coughs> uh, parish up, up in uh, New England that uh, Anthony Bourdain, and there's not nothing wrong with that. That's what, how you want to live. Fine. Where Anthony Bourdain visited, you know, and uh, those people aren't going to sacrifice their children to war on drugs. They they convened a meeting. They had the sheriff, they had the uh, district attorney, and, and everybody of any importance there and tell them, look, this is the way it's going to be. You're not going to be playing that war on drug stuff in our community. You play that down there with the Negroes. We don't we, we're not going for all that. OK. And that but we here here come us. We will to, to, um, let our children be consumed by this thing without a whimper. You know, we, we let people come into our community and convince us that if they can lock up as many young Negroes as they can, then it'll solve America's drug problem. Ain't going to happen, people. It's never going to happen. Ain't gonna, it ain't going to go down that way. So, we got to come with better solutions. Go ahead, Zach.
2: And, uh, you know, going back to what uh, Tracy said about, you know, now that it's, um, you know, affecting the white community, um, you know, she wouldn't be surprised if uh, they found, you know, a cure to. To uh, you know, uh, the addiction, um, you know, just recently now you hear about uh, suboxone and other drugs that 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 block uh, the uh, heroin addiction, and um, I see articles about you know the FDA approving implants, um, right. uh, that you know help against uh, heroin addiction. <laughs> when in our community, you know, methadone,
0: they got methadone, they,
2: they, got methadone and they put <laughs> you on more <laughs> of the same thing. Um, so you know, it really does make you wonder what the real purpose of right. the war on drugs is.
0: And those methadone clinics, by the way, they make money. I I worked in, in one of them. Um, I was so I was installing a, a piping system in, in one of them, and uh, I'm not going to say where it was at, but you know, it's not necessary. But they, I think they got paid like a couple hundred dollars a head for people that were getting uh, methadone. And uh, and the guy had a ministry there and everything, and uh, he was getting paid. It wasn't all about altruistic uh, issues. It was about getting paid for every drug head he can get. And I'm pretty sure the states probably, probably gets federal funding for each one of them as well. So, you know, it's, it's like, again, it's like we are the whooping boy for the uh, war on drugs. And again... The whipping boy is the person that took beatings for the king's son when the king wasn't around. Okay, if the if the king's son did not get his lessons, the prince did not get his lessons, then the whipping boy would get the whippings. Okay, if you were a whipping boy that the prince did not care about, then you were in trouble. And it seems like we are the whipping boy that nobody cares about. And um, if you want, that's that's from the 19th century England, that whipping boy. <laughs> but again, as we said before, we're like. Uh, an elephant, you know, the way they restrain an elephant with so much power in the, in the city, you know, 68% black. The way they, they teach restrain an elephant is from as when an elephant's a baby, they tie him to a little tree and he can't get away from that little tree. And as the elephant grows up, he still believes he can't get away from that little tree, you know. And then when he becomes a full grown bull elephant. All he has to do is snap that tree out with one movement and he still believes he can't get away from that tree. And that is the mentality. Of the of the um the uh, not only the American black man but the uh, Baltimore black man and woman and uh, we need to get out of that out of that mentality and we need to do something to save uh, this third generation we about to lose a third generation again of urban African American youth if we do nothing and this war on drugs is not doing nothing more than uh, contributing to the mass incarceration of our urban youth and when they talk about one in three people born today three males born today will be incarcerated and that has generational um. Uh, Implications,
2: Exactly. And, um, you know, previous caller, Mark, um, you know, it makes me think about, you know, what can we actually do? So he mentioned uh UMBC partnering with the community. And we've spoken previously on the show about the uh, TIF for the uh, Under Armour uh, complex. So, um, you know, what's something that we can do about uh, situations is uh, hold our politicians accountable. Um, let's have um, a company like Under Armour, if they're getting this, um, you know, Have them do something in the community uh, that's similar, Um, you know, to help uh, actually rehabilitate people and not just uh, string them along um, on methadone and get money. Um, You know, let's uh, advocate for the abolition of uh, the prohibition on uh, drugs so that people can actually get treatment. And these uh, black markets that create violence can, you know, finally come to an end.
0: And again, uh, some of these most famous cases of post-brutality had to do with drugs or Uh prohibition and uh, up in New York State with a, with, a, with the uh, uh, Aaron Garner got choked to death it had to do with him selling <laughs> illegal cigarettes because New York State in order to stop people from smoking they made the taxes so high that a pack of cigarettes is $10 so you can actually sell cigarettes that people who still want to smoke on the black market and that's why he was choked to death on suspicion of, of uh, selling cigarettes so you see how these black markets produce violence and brutality go ahead uh, Leroy I'm sorry
6: yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, going back to uh, to what Mark, the, uh, one of the calls, Mark said when it came to uh, UMBC and other like, universities helping uh, helping out with the community. Um, the thing about places like UMBC that always makes me kind of leery about mm-hmm. it is the fact that it's in Baltimore County. And then if you look at the demography of Baltimore County, it's 70, 70, 77% white, while 30%, while 30% is black. So wh- who is it really helping? Is it helping the whites or is it helping the
2: blacks?
0: That's, um, That's a great um, point. <laughs> Well, you know, (laughs) right now, it seems like we need help from anywhere. But we're about to close this show. And uh, thank you for participating in our show, The Call Tyrone Show. We enjoyed all the comments. And feel free to tune in next week for another informative edition of The Call Tyrone Show. Thank you for your time.